So if we can turn to Matthew 5, verse 8. We're going to continue in our sermon series entitled The Sermon That Turned the World Upside Down. It says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I'll read that again. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. When I was younger, me and my buddies used to go down to Boston Commons when I was about 14 years old. We'd go down there because they had the outlets. I lived right in Brookline, and we'd get on the train, we'd jump there, and they had the new Pumas and the new Adidas. They had the suede ones, so you went down there and you got those back in the day. And one day, I forget the exact street we were walking down where all the shops were. It's right when you take a left off the common. This guy came running up the street. It was me and two of my other buddies. And he acted like he was running away from the cops. And he pulled out this big gold chain with a big piece on it. And he said, they're running after me. I'll sell this to you for 50 bucks. Now, we all thought we were gangsters. So you roll up with a big gold chain like that for 50 bucks. My... One of my buddies who was a little older said, I'll buy it. He took the cash out of his pocket and he bought this big gold iced tea medallion necklace, right? And he put that thing on with pride. You've never seen a man put a, a gold necklace for $50 on before. And he walked around and enjoyed this gold necklace. Two days later, surprisingly, he wanted to sell me this gold necklace. I'm not saying he was the best friend in the world. I'm saying he was a friend. He said, Joey, I'll sell this. I forget, like $20 or $40. I can't remember exactly. So I said, yeah, man, I'm a gangster. Here you go, $20 or $40 for you. I get this necklace. Now I'm rocking this necklace, iced tea style, walking around, thinking I'm having a big gold necklace on my neck. It starts to rain a little bit. I don't take off my necklace when I take a shower. I start to notice that this is not a gold necklace around my neck. It starts to flake off. You're seeing the metal, and I'm saying, what kind of friend sells me a fake gold necklace after someone sold him a fake gold necklace? On the outside, it looked like gold, but the inside, it was just cheap, some sort of metal. That's what happens with our hearts sometimes. We think our hearts are gold. At least, that's been my experience. I think, man, I have a pure heart. I have the best motives. But as we go through life and we go through every day and we go through the storms of life, we start to say, hold on, I'm having some nasty thoughts towards people. Hold on, I'm not hungering and thirsting for righteousness like I thought my perfect heart would. Hold on, why am I always mad at this person? Why am I always irritated at people? Why is it hard for me to get the scriptures? Why is it hard for me to submit to God in areas of my life? Why is it hard to serve and lay down my life and not be selfish? We start to see that what appeared to be a gold heart, those flakes start falling off and we realize it's not as pure as we thought. i got good news for you. Jesus comes and gives us new hearts and new desires and makes us new in our hearts. He gives us pure and he gives us clean hearts. He cleans out the gutters, if you would. How many people hate cleaning out the gutters? Oh my goodness, what a nightmare. Why didn't I buy a townhouse? I look at my gutters, and there's stuff growing out of them. I'm like, I should change my gutters, but we'll be all right. We'll be all right. Then I see the end, and I'm like, man, is that gutter kind of, is that tilted because I haven't changed my gutters? No, we'll be all right. We'll be all right. That's what we do with our hearts, right? 
We look at our hearts and say, okay, it's sinful there. That's wrong there. There's a weed growing out of it. But I'm not going to change that. I'll do that another day. But Jesus comes in and he says, you're cleaning out the gutters of your heart. That's the gospel. He said, it's enough enough. I'm cleaning out these places in the gutters of your heart so that the storms of life come. And know what happens when you don't clean your gutters? The storms of life come and they destroy the house. Not only do they destroy the house and you get water damage, but they start destroying other stuff around the house. My deck got destroyed because I didn't clean my gutters. I bought a house and I was like, man, this is good having a house. I didn't realize you got to take care of the thing. I cleaned my gutters out. Now I did it yesterday just so I could preach the pure heart to you today. But what happens when the gutters of a heart are not clean, then it starts to overflow. It ruined and it deteriorated my whole deck, so I had to replace the deck. And our hearts not only affect us, they affect the people around us. When we don't have right hearts, it hurts the people around us, and they have to deal with that, with our filthy, dirty hearts. But the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that Jesus has tracked you down and Jesus is changing your heart and he's going into the gutters of your heart and he's cleaning them out so the storms of life will come and they'll flow right out that gutter and they won't cause any damage. Do you guys say what I'm preaching? So I want you to be encouraged in that today. I want to talk about a few things. The first one being, I want us to know we have a filthy heart because there's people out there preaching we don't have filthy hearts and it's messing up the world. It's messing up the world. Secondly, I want to hear that Jesus came to give us new and clean hearts. Not only new and clean hearts, thirdly, he came to give us hearts that see him as God. Because the heart is the central place of your emotions, of your intellectual life, and of your spiritual life. And when your heart is filthy, your actions will be filthy. When your heart is unclean, your words will be unclean. It never starts with your words and starts with your action. It starts with the engine of your soul, your heart. And when our heart is wrong... Our life will not be lived to glorify God. And we will not be fully happy and fully joyful. So I want to talk about the context that Jesus is preaching the sermon in. Jesus is preaching to a bunch of religious leaders who on the outside look like they have it all together. Right? We love to be clean externally, but people don't know we're filthy inside. He comes to the culture where all the religious leaders were prettier than anyone in the culture. They had all the right robes, all the right hats, all the right rings. They were perfectly clean ritualistically, but their hearts were far from God. It was a place of external righteousness. If you prayed, you prayed on the co corner and you had someone blow a trumpet so you looked righteous. If you gave, you gave in front of everyone so they could see, so you looked righteous. But everyone's hearts were filthy. These Pharisees were filthy. Jesus went over a house one time. One of the Pharisees invited him to say, recline at the table with me. He goes over the house, and he intentionally does not wash his hands. He intentionally does not wash his hands because he knew the Pharisees, man. They'd have that hand sanitizer out there. They'd hit that pump. You know what I mean? Everything was ritualistically and holy on the outside. He intentionally comes in all dirtied up and doesn't wash his hands. He sits down at the table. And the Pharisee says, why didn't you wash? We're supposed to wash. You're a rabbi, right? You're a holy man. He said, no, I did this to prove a point to you, brother. He said, you're too concerned about the external when the cup inside is Filthy. Filthy. Now let me read the scripture to you in Matthew 23, 25, and 
26. You clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside you are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside might also be clean. So he's preaching to crowds and multitudes who have been led by leaders who are worried about the external, about how you look in front of people, not how you look internally before God. That's what he's confronting when he's talking about the hearts here. Have who are so considered about the outside? Oh my goodness, are you kidding me right now? I don't care what the heck you wear. I've seen wolves wrapped in sheep's clothing in five-piece suits with that little pin that makes them look more holy, and they're wolves inside. I've seen pure hearts in a halter top in a miniskirt. I'm serious. What happened is people look at the external, and God looks at the heart. God looks at the heart of the issue. I want us to hear that today. So Jesus comes out, and he's saying, enough with this. Enough with this outside righteousness. I came to confront and I'm concerned with your heart and worshiping God. Because the heart is filthy. And I want us to start there. There's some teaching out there. Have you guys heard this teaching that everyone's good when you get to the core? That they've just been misunderstood. You ever hear that person with the serial killings? Like, he's killed 25 people, but when you get to know, he's a good heart. He's a good man. No, he massacred people. He does not have a good heart. That's not okay. People do not have good hearts at the core. People are sinful at the core. And the scripture said there's all kind of evil, sexual immorality, murder, adultery, idolatry, lies, dishonesty in the heart of man. And if you really believe that everyone's good at the core, I want to ask you how... From the empirical evidence, even historically, how could you argue that man is good at the heart? Is it the Holocaust that helps the cause? Is it the million people with good hearts that slaughtered Jews? Is it the 82 million people just in the American historical wars that have been killed? Is it the 20 to 30 million sex slaves, 70% of them women and children, who are now exist? Is that testified to the fact that man is good at his heart? No, it testifies to the fact that we're filthy. We're filthy at our heart, and we need God to change our heart and give us new hearts. Because the problem is not people's actions, the problem is our hearts are filthy. And if we keep teaching people that their hearts are good, they're never going to repent for poor God and have clean hearts, and we're never going to see our culture, our cities, our towns, our states change. Because it's in the hearts of men that the problem is. This week I'm working in Salem, and uh, I'm remodeling the kitchen, uh, just doing some electrical work there, and we walked into town to get some lunch, lunch, and we were looking for a bathroom. And I didn't realize that they have a little inside mall in Salem. Did you guys realize that on the main street? <coughs> Salem bugs me out. Everything's so weird down there. Why does everyone get so strange down there? I walk in the mall, it just smells filthy in there. And I'm walking through, and everyone's weird. Everything's witch, everything's weird. I'm like, where's the bathroom? And it keeps this little sign that says there's restroom. So me and my buddy Joe, where's this restroom at? We're walking through these weird little doors with little hallways. I'm saying, I'm starting to get uncomfortable here. Where is this bathroom? We go in the back of this little mall, and it says men's room. I open that door. There was a smell in that bathroom that I've never smelled before. And no one had gone to the bathroom. I was like, this is the, immediately I said, this is the filthiest bathroom I've been in my life. There was graffiti. It was dirty. I didn't want to go to the bathroom in there because I felt like it was so filthy. Right? I mean, filthy, filthy. There can't be someone on staff that's cleaning this place. 
There was no way this was happening. Now, if I came out of that bathroom, and I wish I could paint a better picture, but let's keep it light here. Let's keep it PG. I was so, like, I could barely breathe in there. The air wasn't even working in that place. I walked out of there, and if I said to you, that's really a good bathroom because the toilet flushes, you would say, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? The place was filthy. It stank. It was disgusting. There was bacteria everywhere. I can't even describe to you. But if I came out and said, man, that's a great bathroom. The toilet flushes in there. You'd be like, that bathroom's filthy. That's what we do with people's hearts. Like, uh, you know, people we know, they're doing horrible, sinful things, but their toilet flushes once in a while. And we say, they have a great heart if you really look at it. Just because someone's nice or sentimental or buys you a gift once in a while doesn't mean they have a good heart. The toilet flushes once in a while. Doesn't make it the bathroom clean. Do you guys hear what I'm saying here? It's the parable of the Salem filthy bathroom right there. You'll never forget it, I'm telling you. It goes with the mercy sandwich. That wasn't my best analogy. But what I'm saying is, first you have to say, the bathroom is filthy, my heart is filthy, because if you're not willing to confront the fact that you have a sinful heart, your heart will never change. Because you'll become a victim. You'll become a victim. Have we seen people like this? No longer do you sin, but everyone sins against you. I treated you bad because you treated me bad. No, you treat me bad because you're sinful. I did this because I was treated like this when I was younger. No, you did that because your heart's sinful. We all get confronted with sin in our life. How we respond in our heart, it's no one else's fault. It's our heart's fault. We try to blame it on other things, but really it's our heart leading us astray. Some people say, well, God led me into that. No, your heart led you there. So let's start there. That's the foundation. I'm not doing that to condemn anyone. But you will not have a pure, clean heart if you keep thinking that your heart's already pure. Do you hear what I'm saying? If you don't think your gut is the filthy, you ain't going to repent and clean them. There we start. The good news is Jesus sees us while our hearts are filthy. He comes in, he starts cleaning the gutters of our heart. He says, his heart's filthy, but I'm still going to die for his sin, even though his heart's filthy, and I'm going to give him a new heart that is clean. Now, I don't know if anyone ever lived in a bachelor pad when they were younger. My experience with bachelor pads are they're absolutely filthy. You know what I mean? There's like, there's just piles of laundry everywhere that never get washed, in my experience. There's dishes that everyone just kind of looks at each other like, you gonna do them, dog? Never get cleaned. And there's always like something overly masculine that's going on that makes the place look bad. Like, I went into Dennis and Danny's. I'm not going to get too much into it. But, like, I walked in. There was, like, dumbbells in the middle of the living room. I'm like, you guys might as well throw a weight bench here right in front of the TV, dog. You know what I mean? Like, as far as I, my experience is, there is nothing clean in a bachelor pad. You know what I mean? When I married Natalie, everything changed. One of the many benefits of being married to Natalie is she is clean. You know how it feels looking in an underwear drawer every day in this clean underwear? I think it's magic. I'm like, what's going on? My clothes used to get dirty. I used to buy a new shirt. That shirt's dirty, man. I got to go buy a new shirt. There was like, it didn't go in the laundry. You know how it feels being in a shower and the grout in between is clean? I do. Because of Natalie. It's just a whole different game when someone comes into your life that actually cleans regularly. You know, I help too. I'm not just sitting around watching things be clean. I do help the cause. But Natalie changed the game, man. She changed the game. She helped clean out the house. So now I'm, 
there's a great, you guys got to agree, when you come home and the house is clean, is that a great feeling? You can just think better. You just walk better. You just talk better when the house is clean. I just study better. I just clean and sit down and act. At least I look like I'm studying better when the house is clean. This happened to me when Natalie came into my life. When Jesus comes into our lives, he starts cleaning out stuff that was never clean before. And we go to places and say, man, that's never been clean before. What happened? You know? This has always been a filthy mess in this corner of the house. Someone else is cleaning that out. And we go to the affections of our heart and we say, what just happened to me in that area? God just totally cleaned and purified my heart in that area where I knew I had sinful affections. So I want you to be encouraged by that. Because if I tell you, go, everyone go home and clean yourself out. You mean, man, I've been trying to clean for years. I want to encourage you that God the Son is with you cleaning out your heart. To the point you're going to look back 10 years later and say, wow, I can't believe that my heart is pure towards this person. Right? That we could never forgive. I was so bitter. I was so hurt. I thought I could never forgive them. All of a sudden, the gospel comes in and your heart's clean. You're saying, not only do I forgive them, I'm praying for them. Lord, I never thought my heart could be for you with the way I give of my time and energy and resources. But now it's a joy to me. That was a filthy place five years ago. That was disgusting five years ago. Jesus comes in and he cleans it out. He cleans it out for our joy. The joy of having a pure heart in areas of your life is amazing. It's something you want to seek after. So I would define a pure heart like this, going with the Sermon on the Mount. What is a pure heart? A pure heart is first, like we talked about, a heart that is poor in spirit, right? A heart that says, I need you. I'm spiritually bankrupt. I need your help, God. Come in and save me. God comes in and save us. God, the Holy Spirit, starts making us mourn over the right things. We talk about that. That's the ingredients for a pure heart. We're mourning over the right things. Sin, social sin, those who are being persecuted for Christ. That changes our demeanor. That changes the way we are. We become gentle and meek. All of a sudden, we become more gentle and meek people. Our appetite of our heart changes. We're hungry and thirsting for righteousness. We're hungry and thirsting for righteousness. And you look back and say, have you ever, God ever changed your heart in the air so much that you're talking conversation and say, I'm bugging myself out? Me, Danny, and Dennis sat in Dennis's apartment that day and talked theology. And then, I'm not saying there wasn't about three times that I said, I'm bugging myself out here. Are we seriously sitting here and talking about the things of God? Back in the 90s, we were talking about the things of God, I'll tell you that much. But God tracks down a heart and you're starting to hunger and thirst for righteousness to live holy. And then because you've been shown so much mercy, you start to want to show others mercy. See all these ingredients going into a pure heart? And we get to this place today where all those ingredients get thrown in and we have pure hearts by the gospel. Jesus is changing our emotions and we begin to see God. What did it say about the Pharisees? They were blind. He said, you blind Pharisees, you can't even see. They had the Son of God in front of them, the incarnate one, the one who has always been their Savior, who they've been supposedly praying for. But because their hearts were filthy, they could not see Jesus for who he was. It says, because your hearts live for the praise of man, you can't even see that you have the Savior sitting in front of you. Do you know that filthy hearts blind us? Do you ever seen someone who's just sinning against someone else and you say they don't even know they're doing it? They have no idea they're hurting people. They have no idea. That's because their hearts are sinful. And it's blinded them to the fact that they even hurt other people. 
But Jesus came not only to clean our hearts, but he came to give us eyes to see who he is. There is nothing better to see in this life or the next than see Jesus for who he is as the Son of God, as the Savior of the world. Does anyone remember, for those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, your eyes before you got saved or saw Jesus or believed in the gospel and your eyes after? Wasn't that a crazy experience? At least it was for me. Like, I went from totally, you know, as far as, you know how the Boston culture is, all of a sudden you ask me if I believe in God, I believe in God. I'll even go on Easter, I'm holy. But I never, like, that's not, I didn't see Jesus for who he was. I didn't see that he died for my sins. I didn't see that he had a purpose and a mission for my life. I didn't see that he adopted me as a child. I didn't see that he actually laid down his life as God. Like, all that didn't happen, that kind of freedom. When that happened, I felt like a blind man who could see for the first time. Like, I'd literally be driving in my car and be crying, trying to cry out of this side so people don't see me on my left. But I'd literally be crying because I was like, I can't believe by God's grace that I am seeing God for who he is right now. You guys know what I mean? Jesus comes, he cleans our heart, and Jesus makes us see him for who he is. He not only makes us see us him for who he is, it says, for they shall see God. He gives us the ultimate um, expectation for the reward that we will see God face to face one day. So only the pure of heart will see God face to face one day. That's called the beatific vision. That's something that all the, the first Christians long for, that I can see God face to face. And I want to read you a quote from St. Cyprian. It said, how great will your glory and happiness be to be allowed to see God to be honored with sharing the joy of salvation and eternal light with Christ your Lord and God, to delight in the joy of immortality in the kingdom of heaven with the righteous and God's friends. Do you guys ever think of that as a reward, that one day you will see God in heaven? That now there's a veil, but you will see God face to face. It's hard to get a glimpse of that because we see by faith now. Like, I'm sure we have beautiful moments where you see God, you see his love for you by faith. But to see him face to face... That kind of blows my mind. I can't even get a grasp on it. I'm taking my kids to Disney World in November, and they make me sit down and tell them about Disney World, like legit. Like I've told about the Haunted Mansion like 16 times, and I get a little scarier every time. But they're like, I can't wait. They're seeing it by faith, and they're like, they're already excited. I feel like we've already been to Disney World 16 times at night when I go in the bed. You know, like they're enjoying it. They're sitting there like, can we watch another YouTube video where you see Disney World? Like, all these things by faith, they haven't been there, they haven't seen it, but they're still enjoying it. So in a way, we haven't seen God, we haven't been face to face with him, but we're enjoying it. When they get to Disney World, it's going to be bananas. They're going to be like, you couldn't even explain this to me. This is crazy. Donald, would you sign that? You know, like they can't even get a hold of. When they sit down in some sort of princess dinner that we got set up, I don't know who's showing up, but I'm telling you, I'm going to have to contain these women. You know, Vanellope Von Sweet's going to be in the house. And that's Kara's favorite, you know, and Frozen. We all know that's everyone's favorite. But I can tell them by faith what it's going to be like. But when they see Disney World, their senses are going to go crazy. I can tell you what it's going to be like seeing God. And we experience to a degree here. But when we see God face to face, there's going to be nothing like it. And only the pure in heart get to see that. That's no place for the filthy heart. That's the place for the pure of heart.
right there. They will see God. So what are some, t- some ways we can maintain or cultivate a, uh, a pure heart before God? Healthy rhythms are important for keeping anything pure and anything clean. Just like we clean our house, just like we clean our car, you need healthy rhythms to keep it clean and keep it maintained. The first thing, every day, and you guys know I push this and I encourage this, you need to take some time to meditate and focus on the gospel. Every day. There shouldn't be a day that goes by where you're not stopping and reading something or thinking about something that's leading to the person and work of Jesus and what he's done on the cross. Because when you really see what Jesus has done on the cross, you see God. You see that God is love. You see that God is patient. You see that God is merciful. That needs to be part of your regular rhythm of God showing you the gospel in your heart because that purifies your heart. Because know what a heart is tempted to do? That becomes old news. I was sitting down reading a new gospel, a book that was leading me to the gospel, and I had to say to my heart, don't allow this to be old news. Has it become old news to you that Jesus died for your sins? Has it become old news to you that God sent his only son because he loved you? Has it become old news that Jesus defeated sin, Satan, and death through the personal work of Jesus? Has it become old news? It should never be old news. It's always fresh news, and you have to rehearse that every day of your life. I got plenty of books I can recommend, but the gospel has to be at the center. Just like David... Remember, a pure heart is not a perfect heart. I'm always blown away that the word of God says David had a heart after God and someone who killed someone and committed adultery. Does that blow anyone's mind? How can a man have a pure heart and commit adultery and kill somebody? Because a pure heart is not a perfect heart. A pure heart is a heart that mourns over its sin. I encourage you so much to pray to God these prayers. Because sometimes we just come to God and we're asking for things. We need to pray soul heart cleansing prayers. Lord, if there's any motives in my heart that are wrong, if I have treated someone wrong and I'm wrong in this situation, show me so I can repent of it. David said, test my heart. Do we pray those prayers? God, test my heart if it's true. Test if it's true. Send some fire, send some suffering, send some trials, and see if I still love you. Do we pray those pure heart prayers, those motive prayers? Am I right in this? Are we just asking God for something? Those prayers will set your heart free from itself. And you have a clean heart. And you have a pure heart. Thirdly, this is important. You know how some people say, just follow your heart. Don't follow your heart. Your heart has led you to places that aren't good. And you will say in a low-key amen to that. If you tell everyone, if you tell a filthy heart to follow his heart, it's going filthy places. You know what I mean? We love because it's that same doctrine. Just follow your emotions and your heart and it will lead you to freedom. No, it will lead you to slavery. Your heart has to lead you to the scriptures that teach you what God says and the word of God. Cleanse your heart in all righteousness and then you begin to walk in the way of God. You have to go to the word of God. I hear people all the time say, I'm going to pray and see if God wants me to do this. And it's sinful. And I'm like, you don't have to pray about that. Like, you don't have to pray if you're going to shoot that guy in the leg. Like, go to the word of God. Turn the other cheek, brother. You know, like... Go to the Word of God. Balance what your heart and your emotions are telling you against the Word of God, and that will cultivate a clean, clean heart. And 
any heart that's fallen after Jesus, you have to live in the finished work of Jesus. Do you understand? Because we fall short. Right? I never preach grace because I want you to feel like, oh man, this grace, I'm going to go out and sin. I preach grace because I want you to know when you fall, Jesus is not condemning you. He died because he knew we were going to fall at times in our life. And we need to live in the finished work of Jesus. Some days we wake up, our thoughts, our attitudes, the way we're treating people. If we say, man, why did I start the day like that? Why did I treat someone like that? We have to say, Jesus forgave me. He loves me. Let's move on in his mercy from here. You need those rhythms every day. You need the grace of God because a pure heart is not a perfect heart. Secondly, in the application portion, we talked about this a little. At Restoration Road, I really want us to focus on the internal, not the external. So I don't want us to judge people walking through the door by the way they look. Right? A few weeks ago, um, a lady was brought to church that some people say wasn't in church attire. Right? And it seemed like everyone was nervous, like we get the church folks upset, right? Because there was a few things exposed that maybe shouldn't be exposed in the house of God. And I remember just kept saying, no, this is the place for her to come. And if we can't show enough grace to people that they're going to dress immodestly once in a while and come to church, if we're going to ostracize them from that, we have missed the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because he does not judge according to the external. He looks at the heart. And someone might be so broken, they might come in immodest, they may come in not dressed well, and they need to hear the gospel. They don't need you judging, saying, get right before you come to the hospital. Go, go fix your leg before you come in. Doesn't even make sense. People are sick. We don't tell them to get better before they come to the hospital. Come in as you are. We don't care how you dress. We don't care what tattoo you got. I don't care about your hairdo as long as it's not a mullet. <laughs> Do you guys understand what I'm saying? It is not about the external. And when people make it about the external, they lose the gospel of Jesus Christ and they make people stumble on things Jesus didn't want people to stumble on. That's what the Pharisees did to Jesus. They said, we know where you're from. We know what you look like. We know your parents. You cannot be the son of God because they were looking at the external, not the internal. So I pray we cultivate a culture, and I really feel like we have, where people come as they are, where we're not putting on fronts for each other. So we look like we all together. Jesus outed us on the cross. None of us have it all together. That's why he had to die. That's the gospel. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, finally, you can't just make external rules because you make external rules and people sin with their heart. We have to pray in this culture that hearts are changed. We have to praise that, pray that hearts see Jesus for who he is and they are changed. Because when hearts change, cities change, towns change, people change, community change. Communities change. You guys hear me? Pray for people's hearts. I always pray for my kids' hearts. Right? Because I can get to the appointment where they're so scared that they'll obey me. All right, Dada. All right, I'll do it. I'll do it. But nothing's happening in here. You know what I'm saying? I can get my kids to follow external rules, but if they don't follow out of a heart that's wanting to please God and their parents, they will never do anything that glorifies God. There's plenty of people that do stuff on the outside because they have to, but their hearts are far from pleasing God. So pray for people's hearts. Pray their hearts know Jesus and they grow in the gospel and hearts are changed. Because when hearts are changed, they begin to fellowship with God, begin to know God, and begin to see God. Amen?